0: This is a way to make the connection and see people celebrating their identity, their ways of being and knowing, and in celebration.
1: By all accounts, last year was an incredibly successful. You know, the inner cafeteria, lots of turnout, lots of interest, and it was just a great way to be part of National Indigenous People's Day and looking forward to do it again this year. When
2: you serve, they're eating more of it, they're getting the nutrients they need, they feel good there's a little piece of home with them and I think they really appreciate it over
0: at the Denny
3: Health for sure. Hello and welcome back to Interior Voices, an Interior Health podcast series where we explore the intersection of health and culture in the workplace, our everyday lives, and patient care. I'm Beth Blue, communication support for Aboriginal Health. In episode 12, the team celebrates National Indigenous Peoples Day and talks with Andrew Pattison, Corporate Director for Support Services, and members of his team, about the role of traditional foods in the celebration, as well as work underway to incorporate traditional and traditional inspired foods throughout the year.
0: (laughs) Okay, June 21st, ladies. What is June 21st? So on June 21st,
4: you celebrate (laughs) National Indigenous Peoples Day. Formerly National Aboriginal Day.
2: (laughs) It's also known as solstice, uh, marking the equinox. And why do we celebrate National Aboriginal Day?
0: What does it say according to the website that you looked at? (laughs) Oh,
2: excellent, yes. (laughs) Uh, The history of National Indigenous Peoples' Day, in 1982, the National Indian Brotherhood, which is now known as the Assembly of First Nations, first suggested establishing a National Aboriginal Solidarity Day as a day of recognition. So in 1990, Quebec became the first province, can you believe that? Quebec, way to go Quebec, or territory to establish June 21st as a day to celebrate indigenous culture.
4: And then I think so in 1995, the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples recommended the designation of a National First Peoples Day.
2: And that was actually organized by Elijah Harper, who is a prominent Indigenous figure on the Canadian landscape. And so he had encouraged the federal government in 1995, as you said, Chris, to establish that National First Peoples Day. And the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples also recommended establishing a National Day of Recognition in their report, which they released in 1996.
4: In the recent years, one of the things, especially with Canada 150 and the celebrations of, as we know it, since the settlement and the colonization of the land, it's actually been part of a Celebrate Canada program from the national government. So National Indigenous Peoples Day on June 21st, St. Jean-Baptiste Day on June 24th, Canadian Multiculturalism Day on June 27th, and then Canada Day on July 1st. This 10-day-long celebration of Canada and really hopefully the the huge contributions of the First Peoples in that week-long celebration that's government-driven is what I'm gathering from the research we've just heard.
2: Well, and and further to that, Chris, I'm just reading here now, in 2009, the House of Commons unanimously, I am not saying that <laughs> right, <laughs> but they all agreed <laughs> together. I, I <laughs> <stop>. <laughs> Wait, say that again? Yeah, no, uh, you know what I'm going to say is the House of Commons, everybody there, <laughs> uh, agreed to pass a motion to make the month of June National Aboriginal History Month, or now known as National Indigenous History Month, because there's another little piece coming up here. And so we have a month-long awareness campaign to highlight Indigenous history and cultures, as well as contemporary issues in Indigenous uh, communities across the country. For the month of June? For the month of June, and this is from 2009. I know, we're all sitting here with stunned looks on our faces. Thank you, (laughs) listeners. You're learning (laughs) with us right in the moment that we have a whole month to celebrate indigenous identity and further to that that whole language shift occurred on June 21st in 2017 when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced his plans to change the name of National Aboriginal Day to National Indigenous Peoples Day reflecting a national and international preference for the term indigenous rather than Aboriginal in most cases. Wow, the more you know I actually didn't
4: know <laughs> the that more June. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, I actually <laughs> didn't know that June was National what was it? History of Indigenous Peoples?
2: Y- uh, so yeah, so it's a month long awareness campaign that highlights Indigenous history, and it's called National Aboriginal History Month. Or, sorry, thank you Prime Minister, National Indigenous History Month. Also, I'm noting here that our uh, communities, our Indigenous communities, are calling on the federal government to transform June 21st into a statutory holiday. Mm. I guess from your experiences, what has this day been for you?
4: It's June 21st, and I mean, some communities, I don't think it's not a huge celebration, but I think in other areas, it really is a celebration of the diversity of the First Peoples, and it's
2: a celebration of culture and family and community,
4: and Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, what has this day been for you?
2: Well, it's a new day in the sense that so if it's only since 1990 that really we've we've put this on the national landscape to celebrate it and it has been gaining traction going forward it's interesting because I didn't start Knowing about or celebrating National Aboriginal Day until I started working for the Kailona Friendship Society. So that would have been I started I well I started volunteering back in 2003 and became an employee in 2005. And for us, it was a day of work really hard from 6 a.m. until 9 p.m., supporting our local community and celebrating with us Indigenous identity. So it was really all hands on deck for us working at the Friendship Center and inviting our local businesses, our banks, our restaurants, our retail spaces and other nonprofits also come join us. We have a barbecue, we have a powwow, we've got TP stories, crafts, drumming, traditional dancers. Please come see what we're about. And then yeah, for us as staff, it was all hands on deck. It was this kind of vicarious celebration, this opportunity to share of who we are, what we do, what we're about, what we celebrate, what's meaningful to us. Yeah.
4: So that was the Kailona Friendship Society. And was that a celebration of the Okanagan Nation? And was it really kind of local or was it really about celebrating the diversity of Indigenous peoples in the area?
2: Uh, So for us at the Kailona Friendship Society, being an urban Aboriginal serving organization, it really was around celebrating the diversity of Indigenous identity here in Canada. And, and definitely here in British Columbia. And with that, what was really exciting about that, because certainly as you speak of the Okanagan Nation in which Kailona Friendship Society's organization is, is in their territory, uh, the Okanagan Nation, at least in West Kelowna, WFN, would have different activities, but also the Métis Society would also put on a big celebration. So you would find down, on uh, for those who are familiar with Kelowna, down on Leon Avenue where the Kailona Friendship society is situated there would be a big uh, event going on there as well then over at Cary Park um, there was another event, there is another event going on that's hosted by the Métis. And what was really exciting about the 2018 celebration of National Indigenous Peoples Day is that WFN and the Métis Society collaborated on that celebration in Kerry Park. So our community of Kelowna had this opportunity to do a wonderful local downtown tour and be able to go to the various celebrations that were located in our community and get really a very well-rounded experience of uh, indigenous identity in our local community.
0: NWFN is West Bank First Nation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's great for places like Kelowna where it's more central and like West Bank First Nations is really close to the heart of Kelowna and there's that access ac- accessibility. Mm-hmm. When we think of our communities in our, um, you know, that are more rural, and outlying communities that might not have that close connection. For, for those of us wanting to seek June 21st celebrations, we might have to go a little bit further because maybe the communities or organizations themselves are housing them not in a center like Kelowna. So just knowing that they can be anywhere and everywhere and. For the most part, I've really seen them to be open to the public. Mm -hmm. So if people want to check out in their local area, some organizations do host something extravagant, like what you were talking about. Some do something a little quieter. I think it all depends on, like you said, all hands on deck and how many hands do you have.
4: <laughs> yeah. And I think from my experience, it has been kind of that dual for those who, you know, may be part of the indigenous community and are really just looking to celebrate their community and come together and take time to do the things they love and connect with the people they love. But for non-indigenous people, it's really an exposure to some of the, the re- huge diversity and culture that exists on this land. And I think that's the really neat part is it seems like a really, like you said, public accessible for the most part. And like you said, depending on the community and where you are, but I know that APTN broadcasts a lot of their national celebrations too so there's even that part of it that you can join in wherever you are to explore and learn and I think that's the really neat opportunity about this day no matter where it came from it's kind of evolved too and it continues to evolve.
0: Mm -hmm. And thinking of our audience of interior health employees and allies who are thinking of how do I make the connection how do I reach out to communities or how do I continue to reach out to communities that I'm building relationships with the one thing for us to think about is that oftentimes when we see people in the healthcare system accessing healthcare, we're not always at our best, right? We're asking for help. So we don't always get a chance to see Aboriginal peoples at their best because we're providing services when we're not always at our best. And so this is a way to make the connection and see people celebrating their identity, their ways of being and knowing and in celebration and where it's really about that relationship piece. So I think uh, I would encourage folks to go check out the events happening in your area, wherever you might be. And if you're not sure, have a look at some of the websites. Find out what the community names are and look at their websites, because that's often where they also have um, communications are out there too.
3: Next up, Chris talks with Andrew Patterson about one of the ways that IH is celebrating National Indigenous Peoples Day, followed by some interviews with staff members who are involved in the project.
4: I think one thing that Interior Health has started to do really well and attributes a lot to your leadership in this area is start to recognize the importance of serving traditional foods and what that could look like at IH sites and particularly those who are ill or receiving care and um, just how important that is. So we thought it would be neat to feature that for part of this episode. Do you mind just introducing yourself and your role at Interior Health?
1: Yeah, so my name is Andrew Battison. I'm the corporate director for support services with Interior Health. In that role, I oversee our food, laundry, and housekeeping programs, um, and have a chance to work closely with a great team of uh, local and regional sports services leadership.
4: How did the initiative of starting to serve traditional foods come about in the Interior Health region?
1: Yeah, so admittedly, I've been in support services for just over a year and a half now. Um, and when I started, the conversations were already ongoing. So. I can't take credit for uh, the idea or even uh, speak to exactly where it originated from, but I, I do know that from early on it was uh, a close working relationship and partnership with Chilcotin First Nation, uh, Interior Health, and uh, First Nations Health Authority.
4: Was it starting kind of in that Williams Lake area? Has there been other sites that you've seen some of this work take off?
1: Yeah, it was really it really started in uh, Williams Lake. And again, I'm not sure what how Williams Lake was picked, but certainly I know from looking at why it makes so much sense is that, you know, a we have a really engaging uh, local First Nation up there. We also have strong partnerships with First Nations Health Authority and a uh, high representation of Aboriginal people in the community, the communities that we service through uh, Williams Lakes.
4: Yeah, it makes sense. And I think Megan, I spoke to her earlier this afternoon, and she was sharing that I think 50% of Denny House clients that are there are self identify as Aboriginal, so it makes sense and a great place to start. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
4: If it sounds like you're familiar with the Letter of Understanding work and the partnerships in the area. So how have the nations there and communities driven some of this
1: work? Well, we certainly couldn't do without them, and their, their voice at those uh, partnership accord leadership tables, the tripartite committees, and, and just the general advocacy for this program has been invaluable. So they really have driven the work. I feel like we're sort of supporting it and delivering it, but um, we could not do it without them. Yeah, I can't speak highly enough but how appreciative it is that they're leading a lot of the work to break down some of the barriers that we're currently facing.
4: Yeah, for sure. And do you mind speaking a little bit about how some of the elders really enhanced the work even coming to IH sites and sharing some of the, the ways to prepare food and recipes and just what that process has been like?
1: Yeah, so back in January I had the opportunity to be up in Williams Lake and at one of their uh, MYU meetings, where on the agenda was the traditional food program um, that we're hoping to introduce at Denny House. That's where we first connected with some of the, the elders and knowledge keepers. We started to talk sort of at a high level about what some of the recipes could, could look like, and that was just sort of a, a high level discussion. But what the, the real work came after that were elders and knowledge keepers from Chocolate Nation, as well as um, First Nations Health, we came together, worked closely with our food services team in Williams Lake, to. I think we had a couple all-day sessions to brainstorm different menu ideas, uh, develop sort of a menu cycle they can, they can work with. We had to make sure that we could source all the ingredients that were going in there, as well as our team were familiar with how to prepare them, how to, how to cook them in traditional ways. And the the elders. Amazing experience to see that come together. Some great pictures up there too, if you have seen. Them.
4: Oh, for sure, I'll have to find those. That sounds amazing. And how has this been received by patients and clients? Or um, have you kind of connected with anyone that's shared any feedback on on the initiative? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I would say that overall the the support under this program was was great. Um, you know, as we work on initiatives, not all of them are always going to be sort of well received by everyone. And without generalizing too much, I, I would say this is one of those initiatives that was really popular by all stakeholders that we were engaging. So that started with a bit of a survey with, um, with the residents at Denny House and um, you know, asked you know the, the Aboriginal clients as well as non-Aboriginal clients alike if they would sort of be interested in participating in this and selecting some of this food as we offered. And and I can't remember the exact number, it was in the, in the high 80s or 90% range of people that were were excited about this from the client's and uh, everything that, that goes with that so yeah it's been very well received and now that we're like, five weeks into it, maybe in the initial feedback that I'm, that we've seen has been incredibly
5: positive just uh, really
4: neat and yeah. kind of on a broader scale knowing that national indigenous people's day is coming up and i know there is, has been a couple areas in the past that have done some good work in creating a menu specifically for that day um not just in Williams Lake, but other areas of the health authority. So is there any plans or um, kind of what's in the work for this year for that day?
1: Yeah, so building on success last year, um, the IH-operated cafeterias and sort of uh, food retail outlets were going to be offering a traditional influenced meal of some sort. And what we did last year, and I think we're repeating again this year, is um, we, we created a few sort of meal ideas that we could sort of share to the sites from a from a central perspective but we also wanted to encourage um, our local teams to come together so we have uh, an aboriginal chef in South Okanagan for example who I think was able to bring in their, their family recipe for, for bannock and we created some bannock from there and in other areas you know our local teams have came up with, um, with their own sort of meal plans for the for the cafeterias and by, by all accounts last year was an incredibly successful you know the inner cafeteria lots of turnout lots of interest and it was just a great way to be part of National Indigenous uh, People's Day and looking forward to doing it again this year. Um, and when I said building on last year, I think there are now select sites within Interior Health that are going to try to offer additional, uh, traditionally influenced meals to, our, uh, to some patients. Oh, and, good. You know, and so perhaps as we look at this again next year, that's some, some momentum we can build on, not just in the calf areas, but serving these meals to our patients or at least making them available
4: yeah for sure and i think i I think you really touched on an important point that it's really not you know a centrally driven process a lot of exactly. it's local it's a lot you know I think there's some common themes in some of the foods from the interior nations, but in other ways it's there's a diverse range of the traditional foods that could be served so I think it's a really neat approach across the the health authority given the large geography that it's a focus on on local food too
1: yeah it's been a good exercise and humility for us realizing that well we have a lot of expertise in sort of feeding patients and folks in healthy meals, this is not our expertise. So it's been a good opportunity to, to partner with people who who can put that background, that perspective to, to make it great. So my name is
6: Megan Dark. Um, I'm of white settler ancestry. I live and work currently on Northern Shakemic, Socotine, and DeKal Dene territory in the Williams Lake area. So I'm I'm the new population health dietitian for the Caribou Tilcotin area. So that's an area stretching from Algacho in the far west down to about the 100 mile house if people are familiar with this region. My office is based in Williams Lake and I am part of the broader healthy communities team that, that covers the entire region of interior health. Just about the role itself, it's kind of broadly population health nutrition is focused on creating healthy and accessible food systems. So this project fits right in, even though it started in my previous role with the Sokotee National Government. But yeah, we support policies for local governments and schools and other institutions that really just aim to promote a healthy food environment. And I'm also, I'll just mention quickly that I'm also an Indigenous health dietitian with the Sokotee National Government, or um, TNG for short, and and I've been there for the past few years and continue to work part-time in that role. And and do a bit more direct service and some community programs in that role. The, the population health dietitian role is more advisory and policy level.
4: That sounds incredible. And I think you kind of alluded to part of the next question too, is you have almost these dual roles with the the Silcatine national government and with IH, and it kind of really gives a good lens as to how their partnerships and some of the collaborative work can happen. So how did the initiative to serve traditional indigenous foods at Dene House and at other IH sites come about?
6: It arose out of, really out of the letter of understanding table between Interior Health and TNG. And so that's where the nation and community reps sit alongside IH leadership from different departments. And the idea is to work together to address various service needs of the communities so it was really a nation directive that was informed from community input so the nation level health department has a health board that's made up of reps from from each of the communities and they really inform the work and the priorities and and so this is something that arose from that board and was brought from the nation to the letter of understanding table and and the work started in in 2017. Um, My perspective is you know as as a dietitian tends to be sometimes focused on nutrients and nutrition and ensuring people are healthy, and and that's certainly part of it. We know that traditional foods are more nutrient dense than other foods, we know people that eat a traditional diet tend to be healthy and have less chronic disease than, than people that eat more of a standard kind of Canadian diet, so there's all that kind of behind the scenes. But really, I think for people from the communities, um, and for the nation, it's, it's a bit about that. It's also about just the importance of people finding comfort in their foods when they're in a healthcare facility. And also about identity, right? Like th- being able to access foods that you grew up on. Especially for elders, it's just super important to be able to feel that connection to culture and, and community. So, so yeah, so it's really multifold. Thank you for sharing that. In the years working in Indigenous health, it's kind of a paradox in, in healthcare where, on one hand, we have lots of health professionals that are recognizing those, you know, health and wellness benefits of eating a traditional diet, and and even might encourage traditional foods, but then. On the other hand we have these regulations that restrict serving these foods especially wild game and and uh, wild salmon in healthcare facilities so I think we really need to do the work to acknowledge that indigenous food safety practices have kept people well and flourishing <laughs> eating these foods from the land going back for thousands of years and recognize that knowledge and and I also know, you know the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was really clear when they said that denying people their food, is denying them their culture, so, so I think it's really important to keep working on this and expanding it and recognizing that food is more than just nourishment, it's it's about culture and connection and, and, um, and ultimately reconciliation too.
4: Awesome, well thank you so much Megan for sh- for sharing kind of your work and your role as well as some of the broader pieces from your dietitian perspective I think was really helpful because those legislative barriers and some of the paradox that you spoke about is really important in this work and really does lend itself to reconciliation and how, how we move in that direction. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for the conversation.
5: My name is uh, Donna Koenig. I'm manager support services for the Oliver Suleys area here in British Columbia and for interior health. But I I do wear many hats and I'm on lots of different committees and I am involved with Nourish Canada and one of the projects that the team that I'm on is for traditional country foods.
4: Wonderful. Um, And so, so far in your IH role, have you been involved in any of the work with serving traditional Indigenous
5: foods? Well, yes. um, We have started a few years ago on National Indigenous Day, providing a menu for that day. But since we have expanded, and you'll probably be in touch with some of the the other team members on this, we have worked with the Traditional Foods Programme based out of Williams Lake. It's the first of the programs within Interior Health as a pilot. The other thing too I would like to tell you is that in this community where I live here in Oliver, when I speak to the elders there or what they would like to see you know, for our National Indigenous Day, because we don't have a traditional foods program here at this point, mm-hmm. we don't have the volume of clients that come through. It doesn't mean that we can't include it on the menu, and that's one of my goals is to have it permanently on our menu, at least for one day and one meal, is that if you, she she was very good at saying, well, if you ask me what is traditional, she says, if you ask my mom, myself, my daughter, my grandchildren, or my great-grandchildren, she said it's going to be different to all of them because she says our foods now are more like fusion foods Mm -hmm. incorporate other different cultures into their foods. She gave the example of Indian tacos, and that's the actual phrasing, is Indian tacos. Mm -hmm. And that is not something that would be considered as traditional. Yeah. But it is traditional to the the youth of today. Right. The First Nations youth of today. So things are going to change throughout the years, and, and that would be for any culture, what is traditional.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure, that's a really great point, point. and I guess kind of on that note for National Indigenous Peoples Day, what are kind of your plans, and I think you mentioned South Okanagan, for that day?
5: Oh, we have several different things that we have in the works, of course, we're, you know, we're going to have our bannock, and again, bannock, it's, there's many different recipes, mm-hmm. so what we made sure is we got a recipe from what is familiar to this area. And I, I do have a First Nations chef, so that makes it a little bit easier for us. And, yeah, we have several different things that we haven't made the final determination what it's going to be. Last year, we did we did maple glazed salmon as one of the main entrees, and the other one was elk chili, and most of the people wanted both. Mm-hmm. So we said, if you want both, you're more than welcome to have both. And for me, for my facility, I serve it to acute care And residential so everyone gets it wonderful Um, but they have a choice you know if they don't want it
4: they don't have to have it i had spoken to andrew earlier and he also kind of mentioned just you know we we want to have an approach that consistent across the health authority in terms of what patients and and what staff can see particularly on national indigenous peoples day but but also beyond that but then it's really informed by the local nations and the local communities and i think you really touched on that well
3: Thank you for listening to Episode 12 of Interior Voices. Visit our website at interiorhealth.ca slash interiorvoices for links to help you celebrate National Indigenous Peoples Day and additional information about the role of traditional foods in health care. Please join us again on June 27th when IH Human Resources discuss Aboriginal recruitment and retention with the team. Am I, oh, I supposed
2: I Oh, I can hear me. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, I can't can hear, hear you. I, I hear, hear you. you. Oh, I hear Beth. I just can't hear myself. I hear Vanessa. Can you hear me? I do not hear Chris.
3: Oh, am I on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't plug everyone into the right thing, so that's part <laughs> of the fun of this. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So I must have your... Okay. We're good. <laughs>